listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. My friend, Father Killian McDonald, turned 95 a few months ago. Father Killian is a monk of St. John's Abbey in Collegeville, Minnesota, and he's been a member of that community since 1945. Do the math. That's 71 years. And over many of those years, Killian distinguished himself as a theologian, publishing several books on the theology of the Holy Spirit. For years, he represented the Roman Catholic Church in its dialogues with churches in the Pentecostal tradition. And he also served as a resource to the Catholic charismatic movement. But at the age of 75, Killian decided he wanted to write poetry. And since then, he has authored five collections, most recently, Aggressive Mercy, published in 2014, when he was all of 93. Now, when I was in Collegeville last month, Killian told me that he was quite sure that Aggressive Mercy was, in fact, his last book. But there was no hint of regret in his saying that. In fact, on a previous visit, he told me that he had not a single real regret in his life and that for all the opportunities he'd had as a theologian and an ecumenical partner, a teacher, and finally a poet, the greatest joy of his life was that he got to pray the scriptures with his community in their church four times a day. Now that's a lot of prayer, and that's a lot of scripture. It's both anchored Killian deeply, but it's also expanded his imagination and his engagement with biblical stories. So this evening, as I turn to the story of the Annunciation, Killian will, in a sense, be preaching with me through his poem on this gospel text, a poem called In the Kitchen. It begins, Giotto has it wrong. I was not kneeling on my satin cushion quietly at prayer. Head slightly bent, painters always skew the scene as though my life were wrapped in silks in temple smells. Well, you know the sort of art that Killian is pointing to, the art of painters like Giotto, medieval and Renaissance art in which Mary seems so devout, so at peace, so very receptive. The setting and her clothing, the furniture and her bearing together suggest a European noblewoman at prayer. Certainly not a Middle Eastern peasant girl, betrothed but not yet married, perhaps 14 or 15 years old, committed to be wed to this man Joseph, but still living with her parents in Nazareth, awaiting the day when her betrothed, when Joseph would finally have built up enough of his business 
and saved enough money so that their marriage could be sealed. And so Killian continues, Actually, I had just come back from the well. Placing the pitcher on the table, I bumped against the edge, spilling water on the floor. Now that's closer to the life a young Galilean woman would have been living, fetching water from the well for her family, not kneeling on a satin cushion. Certainly far more familiar with that well, with water jugs, with the kitchen, with the cooking fire, than with prayer chapels. And so the poem continues. As I bent to wipe it, the spill, as I bent to wipe it with a rag, there was a light against the kitchen wall, as though someone had opened the door to the sun. Rag in hand, hair across my face, I turned to see who was entering, unannounced, uninvited. All I saw was light, white, against the timbers. Well, you know the angels in those medieval and Renaissance paintings, they are very handsome figures with long robes and flowing hair, never bearded. And aside from the wings on their backs, they appear as stately, almost human figures as noble in look as that idealized Mary who's kneeling on her cushion. But there are no such angels in the Bible. In the Bible, angels can appear in plain human form. They're unrecognizable as God's messengers until suddenly the penny drops, as it did for Abraham and Sarah by the oaks of Mamre. Or... Or they're described in terms that suggest a fierceness and a power. They have not two wings, but three sets, eyes all round. Face was like the sun, legs like pillars of fire, as John the Divine describes the angels in his strange vision in the book of Revelation. Face like the sun. Now that's what Father Killian is working within his poem as he writes, All I saw was light, white against the timbers. I hear a voice. Greetings were given. The Lord was with me. I was elected. I will conceive the Son of God by the Holy Spirit. My Son will reign forever. What could this young woman possibly make? Of such words. I stood afraid, is how Killian continues his poem. I stood afraid. And of course she did. In Luke's telling, the angel says to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Do not be afraid. Words that angels need to speak in these texts. Words the songwriter Jim Kroger calls that important line of angels in his song, The Angel Gabriel. Words that need to be spoken to Zechariah, and now to Mary, and then to Joseph, and later to shepherds in the fields. Because their angelic appearance is frightening. 
their words stunning and impossible and overwhelming. And so the poem continues, I stood afraid. Someone closed the door. I dropped the rag. And that's where Killian ends this poem on the Annunciation. In the kitchen, rag lying on the floor, Mary stunned by what's just happened. Now, of course, Luke says that after the angel Gabriel had spoken to her, Mary replied with words of consent. She didn't just drop the rag and stand in fear. Here am I, the servant of the Lord, she says. Let it be with me according to your word. Now that's crucial. That consent is crucial to the biblical story because it says, among other things, that a 15-year-old girl's agreement matters. As Luke sees it, Mary's words, let it be with me according to your word, are a hinge on which the whole of the world, the whole of time and history turns. And isn't that so very typical of the God who we meet in the Bible? To call on the last and the least, the unlikely and the little ones, to carry the greatest of work and to answer the most important of callings again and again through the Hebrew Scriptures and then in the New Testament, that is simply God's way with us. Father Killian knows that. He knows it well. Praying the Scriptures day by day in that Abbey Chapel, singing the Magnificat, Mary's song, every night at Vespers, day after day, year after year, he knows the importance of Mary's consent But it doesn't make the story, the appearance, the call any less frightening, and Killian knows that too. Which is why in this poetic picture, the rag simply drops to the floor. Which is why when we stand in the face of some challenge, some calling, some unsettling insight, some holy moment that might be a little fearsome, we find that our jaws can sometimes simply drop. But as surely as the Mary and Killian's poem bent to pick up that rag and to begin to live this thing into which she's been called, So too with us, we can't stand motionless, frozen, drop-jawed in the face of whatever it is that calls or pushes or uproots or unsettles us in this business about God. We need to pick up the rag and set about living into this new thing, whatever that new thing is that stands before us when we feel God putting a particular claim on us. We need to pick up the rag, push our jaws up, and see about living it. And you know, most often those moments start not in stately church buildings or even on mountaintops, you know, mountaintop experiences, but often it is in the homely and ordinary places. Often it's in the kitchen. 
In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to a St. Benedict's Table podcast. For more information on our church or to provide support for our online work, visit us at stbenedictstable.ca.